Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. Mark Saxon is in studio. It's a Monday, and Christmas is around the corner. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Scoops with Danny Mac. The 10 o'clock Monday edition, and there's nothing like Big Saxy in the house. What up, Danny? What up, Saxy? Let's try to get some scoops. I don't have any at the moment, but oh, you're, you, 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 it's your brand. You're, you're all over that. Let me tell you something, baby. You dropped... Some scoops last week. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Okay. You, you got people going nationwide on Molina now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Now I know what you're referring to. Yeah, just that little that down a little bit. You want to get into it right now? Whatever you want. Hey, right. man. I, I'm just here. You're you're running the show. I I'll react. Okay. Six five seven eight zero. If you uh, want to connect with Mark Saxon, six five seven eight zero. The Air Comfort Service text line. And um, so, what was the uh, the actual quote? about the Molina response to the contract, which was somewhat uh, it was just the conversations and maybe some numbers and deal, whatever. What, just set it up, and I'll let you take it from there. So the, basically the gist of what's going on is Yachty's market really hasn't formed yet. That's right. what everybody's saying, right? Um, and they did, from what I was told, and this was someone close to Yachty, in Yachty's camp, that um, it – the first kind of discussion of numbers was very disappointing to their side. And, and, and the word I heard was it was viewed as ridiculous. Now, you know, um, it's so early in the negotiating process. And as we just said, the market really hasn't come together. Maybe James McCann's deal will sort of nudge things along. I don't know. I don't know why it's taking this long other than the obvious reasons, the pandemic and teams mm-hmm. not knowing what they can spend. But that was my my what I heard was that it the first kind of conversation about numbers was not promising from their side. Now, that doesn't mean it won't change or it also doesn't mean that Yachty's market won't kind of not be what he's hoping it will be. And he'll kind of come down to where the Cardinals were. So, again, it's early, but that that was what I heard early on. What do you think? Do you buy into it or do you think it was too much? What do you I mean? What 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 was your response to hearing that? Well, I. My take again is that it's early and it's negotiating, right? I mean, there all there's always going to be kind of reactions and counter reactions, and they're going to at times sort of manipulate the media. We've seen Yachty's side do that a little bit with this sort of either leaking or outwardly saying, you know, that all these teams are very interested. And I did speak with his agent last week. And it does sound like some other teams, you know, according to their side, are being a little more aggressive than the Cardinals at this time. But that's what they told us they were going to do, right? What did, what did John Moselec say the first Zoom call after the season had ended? He said, we're going to let him talk to other teams. We're going to see what the market looks like. And then we're going to hopefully react at the end with the best offer to keep the guy. So I think that's where it is. You know, there are other teams interested. What we don't know is how interested. Are they ready to make formal offers or are they sort of exploring that as one of many options? When I saw Sanchez go back to the Yankees or at least the um, – the situation was that uh, during the uh, uh, his arbitration, what, arbitration eligibility, the, yeah, yeah, that was picked up, and the McCann going to the Mets. I'm I'm looking at his market shrinking a little bit, and I'm not sure 
what the appetite would be for a 38, and this is no disrespect, this right. is for any player. 38-year-old guy, a lot of mileage. Mm-hmm. Now he's a Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong. In my mind, it's slam dunk. But there's a... Uh, in, and a pandemic, so you're talking about, you know, what what is the market for that? A 38-year-old guy for a multi-year deal. I'm not sure it's there. And, and the places that I looked at were the Mets and the Yankees. Now that's gone. I just think the signs keep pointing back to St. Louis. And legacy in other places, it's not there. It's here. And what does it mean to him to finish a career in one place? I would assume it's a lot. What does it mean to the Cardinals? I think it means something here for Mr. DeWitt. And certainly for the fan base. I just think a lot of those signs point to here. And oh, by the way, um, I think the Cardinals want him, and I think they'd they'd like to see him back behind the plate again. Um, They're not sure about Kisner, maybe, potentially. You know, you don't know about Herrera for a couple of years. He's not ready yet. So all those signs point to another year of Yachty, if not two. So when I start checking off the boxes and I go, okay, here's the yes ones, here's the no's. Man, I got a lot of yeses for him coming back here. If it, if now again, it's money. I get mm-hmm. it. It always comes down to money. But I just have a lot of check boxes, and I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm trying to be realistic here. I have a lot of check boxes of him coming back to St. Louis. Look, I mean, yeah, it, it, in a in a sane world, in a normal world, there's no doubt that that Yadi Molina should be a, a Cardinal his entire career. And it's so it's it's right at the finish line, right? It's not that hard to kick it over. He's going to play maybe two more years, he says. Will he get a two-year deal? I, I'm a little doubtful about that at this Even point. Even here? I don't know. You know, I, I tend to think it would be a, a year and an option. option. I, th- yeah. I think they might even be willing to do a one-year deal, honestly. And this was that was just sort of reading between the lines what I talked to Melvin about last week. But you're right. I mean, every team that sort of secures its catching situation, and if the Mets and Yankees are now out of that market, there's two of the, what, five teams that they originally linked to. Uh, they have talked about the Angels and the Padres. Still possible fits, I suppose. But again, it does come back to this market. And what's interesting about Yachty is, you know, we've seen him get so many clutch hits over the years. But the way that teams evaluate hitting now, he's kind of not really in the mold of the modern hitter, what they're looking for, in that he doesn't have a high on-base percentage. He's not a guy who walks a lot. And he doesn't have home run power, right? That's typically what teams are looking for from their bats. And so he doesn't really profile there. So you wonder in this age where really every front office in baseball, all 30 pretty much are run by heavy analytics um, people, how how valuable will that be? And how far will the re- the defensive reputation carry? Because some of that stuff isn't measurable exactly. Now, I buy all the intangibles we've been hearing over the years, how valuable he is to the staff, to everything else, to seeing the field, setting up the defense. But we'll see, you know, how far does that reputation take him on the market? A couple of sneaky places, maybe. Atlanta or Washington. What do you think about those two teams? Yeah, interesting. You know, um, you know, Washington, it's just hard to know what direction they're going to go. I mean, they were pretty bad last year, and um, I, I could see that. You know, you, you see where, like, teams sometimes who suffer through bad, you know, defensive catching, and we we saw that in New York, maybe a little bit in Washington with, with Wilson Ramos a couple of years ago. They tend to you, – you see teams sort of snap back. Like, if, if they have something that's really down, you know, an offensive catcher who can't really catch – Maybe they they go to the defensive guy, and that's I think why the Yankees seem to make sense to me, right? I mean, they they watch Gary Sanchez, you know, 
all those games, like Oof. how frustrating that must have been. And then you go, well, Yadi Molina's out there. That must right. be kind of interesting, right? So I could see Washington kind of making that, making that call as well. Um, Atlanta, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. Maybe they'd get Wayno too and uh, figure out a way to get him out there. <laughs> how, about, interesting. how about this one? Uh, Grandal got $75 million from the White Sox. Could you could you even see, or does it make sense to bring in Yachty for one year and reunite him with Tony Larusa? Boy, that would be really interesting. The one, you know, I I was around Yasmani Grandal when I when I covered the Dodgers. He's kind of like, even though they're both very good defensive catchers, he's kind of everything I just said about the offensive side. He's yeah. very much he's no question. That, he walks like crazy, and all he really does is hit home runs, but he hits a lot of them. Um, I think that would be a heck of a catching combination. Oh man, that would uh, with that young team, the impact Yachty could have with some of those guys. And by all accounts, your window is probably short with Tony. You know, right. it, it's one or two years. Right. That's Yachty's window. Right. And, you know, uh, Lucas Giolito just lost James McCann. He obviously likes throwing to that just defensive, you know, wizard type catcher. I, it makes a lot of sense. The only question to me, I guess. These are guys who are considered, you know, at times in their career, maybe the best catcher in the league. Would they be willing to share? You know, would could you see Yachty catching 80 games no. or 60 games, right? And you certainly couldn't see the White Sox wanting to take 35 home runs out of their lineup with Grandal. So he'd have to be a DH. Yeah, it, sure. He could get some. They all, are they using, um, you know, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Rob, Rob, Robert yeah. at, at DH. I, I don't know exactly their roster situation, but boy, that's an intriguing thought. Just to think about throwing that kind of, you know, that kind of uh, pedigree behind the plate for them. One of the things I'm going to get into next was uh, Moe's Zoom call which was interesting last week. Also, the future of Adam Wainwright, which people want to know about. And uh, when or if we're going to have spring training, would it be in St. Louis? Are we going to go down to Jupiter? What that may look like. So that's all coming up. Mark Saxon is my guest. I want to get this out too. Mark, um, Christmas around the corner. I appreciate you very much for coming in studio. So let's get this out as well. Best place to get a uh, subscription for The Athletic, where to go? Uh, just, you know, go to the app, go to the athletic.com. We, we run promotions, uh, from time to time. I'm not sure exactly what our promotion is at the moment, but, uh, the best thing is go to one of my stories. If you want to read it, click it and then subscribe right there. Cause then I get credit for the sub, Dan. That's, that's what it's all about. That's really, yeah, it's really all about you. <laughs> More of what you want to hear scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on one Oh one ESPN. Mark Saxon is in from The Athletic, and you can get a hold of us. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. If you want to uh, text in a question, I'm Dan McLaughlin. We're here till 11, and then it'll be uh, the guys coming up from 11 until 2. So, Adam Wainwright, that is one of the big question marks, too. And Mo was saying on the Zoom call last week that normally it's a lot of movement with the virtual meetings, and December is a lot of the free agency movement, that kind of thing. So, he thinks that the new December will be, or January will kind of be the new December, if you will. And that's when the movement will happen, because at that point, you, you have a better idea of what a season looks like. So where do you think 
just reading it right now, where Wainwright's market is at this point. Now, he did receive the Roberto Clemente Award, so mm-hmm. he did talk a little bit about right. free agency. What, what do you think it uh, What do you think it looks like right now? Yeah, so for me, like handicapping all these situations is so tough because the, the team really hasn't done you know anything yet, right? All they've told us is what sort of the parameters were financially. The payroll is going to come down, you know. So we're kind of reading between the lines on a lot of this stuff. And the, 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 the time I, you know, we had Adam on that Zoom call after he did win the Roberto Clemente Award, which he was just glowing, by the way. That, yeah, that was in cool. itself was incredibly cool. But um, I asked him about, you know, free agency. He mentioned how, you know, the next contract becomes an opportunity to do even more charitable stuff, which is really, really cool and part of the reason he's so beloved around here. Um, but I asked him, you know, how are you reading it right now? Are you taking formal offers? Is that close? And he said he doesn't expect that for quite a while. So I guess a little bit similar to Yachty in that it's going to be a slow more, you know, we probably won't know until sometime in January. Um, but again, just kind of reading between the lines, he didn't seem super like confident that he would be back with the Cardinals. Um, and, and he said in other interviews, he spoke with um, uh, Jesse Rogers at ESPN.com. And he said, look, the Cardinals are hit harder you know, by the pandemic than others because they're so reliant on the gate. And he gets that. He would never say anything bad about the Cardinals if they didn't choose to resign him. On the other hand, we have Mo saying that keeping those two guys remains absolutely the priority. And in fact, they're not really moving ahead on other stuff until they have a better sense of whether they're going to they're do that because that's kind of their... They're total nut, really, in terms of what they're going to spend, I think, this winter. If they keep both of those guys, there's really not going to be anything left. So... You know, it, it, I think it's just going to come down to, again, similar Yachty and what do other teams think about him? I think they're going to allow them to explore that market. If one other team goes, boy, this this is the perfect guy for our fourth or fifth starter, great mentor to all these good young pitchers we have coming up from the system, um, great staff leader, all those things. That's the thing we're lacking. If one team is willing to pay for that, the Cardinals could lose out because he might jump. And the same with Yachty. Who's to say if a team you know, with a great roster, maybe even a better roster than the Cardinals on paper, throws a one-year deal out there at Yachty, he doesn't go, boy, at this stage of my career, this is a better chance to win another World Series, right? We don't know exactly what he's thinking. We assume he wants to say, and I think he probably does. Everything points to that. But, you know, what if really the the true driving force is to win a World Series? Is this the best roster, you know, with a lower payroll to do that? Minus Wainwright, let's just assume he doesn't come back. Is there enough pitching coming back for the Cardinals, and let's say it's 162 games. I'm going to just throw that out there. I'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But is there enough pitching? Well, I, I, I really like Ponce de Leon and Gomber personally. I just think when they get opportunities, they do some pretty special t- things at, at times. We saw Gomber in the playoffs last year really like just have some incredibly clutch moments, I thought, when he fell behind. And, you know, I think it was Machado and came back. So... And Ponce, you know, the strikeout rate is really interesting and, and impressive. So there's a lot to like about those two guys. So I think if they're part of the picture, yes. Uh, Mo on that conference call you mentioned said that Alex Reyes is going to be stretched out as a starter, at least at the start of spring training. That's intriguing. You saw his stuff at the end of last year. Yeah. He was 98, 99. So, boy, I mean, I, I do think they have enough pitching. And, by the way, I really like Liberator and Thompson. I've done features on those guys in the last week or so, two weeks. 
I really think they're going to come on fast. You've got one guy who was dominant in the SEC. He's not going to need a lot of time in the minors. He hasn't gotten it. He's got 15 innings. I know. Well, that's Zach Thompson. Um, and Liberator, you know, Mo's already said he's in the mix for a rotation spot next year. And both of them are viewing spring training as when they want to kind of make that mark and possibly make it out of spring training. Probably not likely out of spring training, but I do think either, if not both of those guys, could be factors in 21. Zach Thompson, you mentioned that you did your piece on him. I read it. It was really good. What what stood out in visiting with him for fans that haven't read it? So I'm curious what stood out in your visit with him. You know, just talking to him, first of all, one of the, I led with this anecdote because I thought it was interesting. When I talked to Nolan Gorman about Zach, he, when he was getting ready to face him in uh, satellite camp, the con- he has one of these virtual reality headsets. Right. For anyone who maybe bought an Oculus Quest for their kids or for themselves, this, they'll, they'll kind of know what a VR headset is. But what you can do with the one he bought, it's called Win Reality, Virtual Reality. You punch in the name of any major league pitcher with the exception of Zach Granke, who paid money so that his data could not be used for this, right. which is kind of on brand. But yeah. he punched in Blake Snell before he faced Zach Thompson, and because and, that's the stuff that he thought would give him the best chance to hit him, and that's interesting to me. You know, yeah. You're talking about upper 90s velocity with a big, really good curveball. So I thought that was interesting. And then the other parts of this guy's personality, just a blue-collar, small-town Indiana kid. You know, he talked about going down to um, – he had one of these baseball facilities, and he was on a club team, you know, like all these guys are. But his was in Anderson, Indiana. It was a barn that a guy had converted into a baseball facility with a bunch of, like, space heaters in there. One day the heaters went out, and they were out there working out in 28 degrees, and he said they were just getting after it. So that was, like, a good image for me of just, like, an Indiana kid, small-town Indiana kid, and how how kind of dedicated he is to this thing. I was asked about him um, on the fast lane on Friday, and they said, who do you think makes it first, Thompson or Libertor? And to your point earlier, I think it's Thompson that because he's probably around the rough edges has been through the college pedigree. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more of the college pedigree, more so than Libertor. And, and watching Libertor in um, spring training, you could see glimpses of just awesome stuff. I mean, he'd break off a curveball and you go, oh my goodness, it's the best curveball you've seen all spring. Mm-hmm. And the next inning he'd get lit up. So mm-hmm. you'd see, okay, it's there, but he's got some rough edges that he's got to work out. Where when I watched Thompson, I just saw consistency the whole time through to the point I was like, this guy might spend a month or two in the minor leagues and he's going to help this major league club. It didn't happen. And maybe they wanted to stagger some of the clocks of these guys, mm-hmm. but I could see him making an impact this year. Oh, Very I, easily. Yeah, I could, too. I could see him coming on fast. <clears throat> I think Libertor is maybe just a step ahead of him at the moment. But you think that, Libertor is? At the moment, just because he's got more professional innings under his belt. They, they said, haven't quite seen it from Thompson. He's only got 15 professional innings at this point. Really? But you're I right. I know, but I mean, still. Well, I think... But I think it's really going to depend on, you know, once they get in actual games, let's say it's at Springfield, you know, double H, let's say you put them both down there. That, that'd be fun. Just let them kind of c- compete. You know, yeah. who's the better guy? Who's pitching better? Who's more likely to give you, you know, that, that dominant stuff right away? Um, but you're right. I really, you know, we saw, you know, compare Liberator, you're right, in his first outing in spring training looked a little rough, and then he came back and had a good one. Thompson had... Three three outings, all perfect, and mm-hmm. three strikeouts. I mean, he looked really ready. Um, I don't think he's going to be scared by any of this stuff. I think he wants to 
be a Cardinal like right now? He, he thought when they called him, Gary LaRock called him uh, in June and he said, get to St. Louis tomorrow. He thought he was going to be on the big league team. His heart started to race. And then he gets there, of course. And I don't think any of us thought that that was going to happen, but that's how he thinks. I think that tells you something. Of course, once he got there, they said, you're going to satellite camp. You're just here for COVID protocols. But I thought that was interesting. That said something about his personality, too. Libertor, um, it just caught my attention when Mo said, yeah, I, I could see him being a part of our club at some point in 2021. I didn't. I, I And maybe I'm off base. Maybe I've just been totally wrong about this. I just thought that this upcoming year would be a development year and then maybe you'd maybe you'd see him in 2021, but I just thought it'd be a development year and 2022 would be the target date. But that did catch my attention on the Zoom call this past week. Yeah, you're actually you're you, you're with totally right to think that because everything we've seen is the case. Apparently what they're basing that on is just how dominant Liberator was at satellite camp. You know, they had all those guys and you probably had to learn some new names this year when you were doing the games because they brought up all those oh, guys, yeah. the you know, the Roel Ramirez's and the Sanchez's and all these guys. They all went up except for the four young pitchers who stayed back in satellite camp. That was Liberator, Zach Thompson, Angel Rondon, and uh, Sejas. Those were the only guys who were there the whole time. So those guys got a lot of innings, a lot of reps. Zach Thompson was slowed a little bit by a shoulder thing, but Liberator pitched a lot, and they collected data all through that, and the numbers were great. Um, the internal, you know, the analytics type stuff was great. So I think that's where this newfound confidence that he could be ready came from. He was just really, really dominant down there. How good was Nolan Gorman down there? He was very good. I, according to, I talked to Mike Gersh about that. Apparently, you know, some of the older guys, Justin Williams, um, John Nagowski, might have done a little more offensively, but Nolan was kind of right behind that. And that's exactly what you would expect. I mean, we're talking about 26, 27-year-old guys who have made it to AAA and been, you know, on the cusp of the big leagues for a long time, if not touching it here and there. So you would absolutely expect that of a, of a 21-year-old kid like Nolan Gorman. Um, but to be right behind that wave is really exciting, too. Now, his problem is similar to what we talked about with Zach Thompson, he just hasn't had enough at-bats. He finished at high A ball. So I don't know, would he start at double A? If so, that could certainly make him in play next year if he does well. Mark Saxon of The Athletic, my guest, and he's in studio. He's here for the next uh, 28 minutes or so. So if you want to get in a question, bunch are rolling in. We'll get to those next segment. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. On the Air Comfort Service text line for Mark Saxon, who is my guest in studio. This is Scoops with Danny Mack. I'm Dan McLaughlin as we take you up until 11. And then Alex Ferrario and BK. Guys, did I hear you mention spring training in St. Louis, not in Jupiter? What's up with that? Well, we don't know. Potentially that could happen if regular season Saxy is mm. pushed back. I mean, there's so I many things. I hadn't thought of that either. That's very interesting. Yeah, There's a lot of rumors. I mean, that that's yeah. one of the things we hear about. Some of the things we hear about is that, yeah, you could have spring training down in a bubble. We've heard that maybe you start the season in spring training sites. We just don't know. I mean, it could be 162 games. Could be 154. Could be 120. Could be... Season in a bubble to start. Could be season with no fans. Could be a season with starting with limited capacity. 
I mean, as we visit in the beginning of uh, December or middle of December, December 14th, um, it changes probably every 24 hours. I'm sure Rob Manfred and those at the front office of Major League Baseball have probably no fewer than 10 different scenarios on their table as the vaccine God willing, takes effect for our country, and it's an awesome day in our country to have it rolled out today. Right. Um, it's a historic day in, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how it plays out in the next three or four months, and that really does dictate what could happen in sports this summer. I think you would agree with that. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Like, all these other sports are so um, at a disadvantage. I mean, first of all, you see the NBA guys starting up again. That's got to be just brutal. I mean, they just finished. Yeah. That's insanity. So baseball has the luxury of a few more months, again, to see, you know, they're rolling out the vaccine. Are people going to take it? Let's hope everybody takes the vaccine, right? It seems to make sense. Um, But, you know... The thing I I just kind of picture when you say spring training in St. Louis, those guys out there with like their earmuffs on and like, <laughs> taking BP at Bush Stadium well, in February. Well, the the way I would say it then would be that if you had spring training at at home sites, and and this is just I, this is just a wacky scenario, but yeah. that would mean that your season would be starting in May or something like that, right. and, where it'd be warm and you know. St. Louis and some of your Midwestern cities and Northern cities too, to where you'd be able to have a spring training. Well, I guess it wouldn't be 2.0, 1.0, but it'd be warm <laughs> enough to do it. You know what I mean? Yes. So your season would be pushed back is what is my point. Right. And that, that certainly is in play at this point. I mean, you know, we've all heard rumors of 140 games that they're going to play. That would tell you spring training probably gets pushed back a couple months. Yeah. You know what makes sense to me? And I, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but if you're going to have a bubble, you know, put that bubble around Jupiter and Palm Beach because now you've got four teams there. They could limit, you know, when when they do play the games against other teams, just play those teams. And, you know, the Yankees play that side. And well, the other thing Fort is Myers teams, yeah. in Florida – You'd be able to get fans. Right. <laughs> it's open. Dude, I was watching the uh, Florida game. It was packed. <laughs> Plenty of fans in there. <laughs> Go at it, I guess, in Florida. I guess. Um, it, it, I almost feel guilty when I think of it. Like I was watching news today, and the excitement of seeing, I don't know, if fans that are listening or, or folks that are listening or what you think about it. I almost felt guilty about this, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm watching news today, and I'm seeing the FedEx trucks roll out with the vaccine, and I thought, my God, what a what a great day! I mean, it's I'm excited as a a person, a human being, saying this could be saving lives, it could be saving frontline workers and elderly, and and they said, hey, the vaccine uh, could be readily. One of the reports that I saw said could be readily for the all Americans by March was the end of March or something like that, or actually by March. And my first thought, instead of saying, like, I was like, oh, well, that's amazing, right? And, and my first thought went to, well, what's that mean for a baseball schedule? <laughs> like, how bad is that? I shouldn't be thinking that. I should be thinking, let's be saving lives. You know what I mean? That, that's terrible <laughs> to be thinking that. Um, well, you got to save, you know, baseball players' lives, too, and, the, and their families. I'm thinking about <laughs> schedules. Like, what's uh, wrong with me? You're thinking about we gonna, April 1st. That's right. Make, like, can we know, get dinner plans? Or, can know, we get in the Clydesdales in there? Are we going to have a normal opening day? Like, what is, what's wrong with me? Do horses get COVID? I, that, 
What am I? What's wrong with me? No, I shouldn't be thinking that. Let's let's I, get I think people it's your back. livelihood. I think that's why you were. I guess, thinking but about it. I shouldn't be thinking that. I should be thinking, let's save lives. Which I ultimately I'm thinking that, okay. but I was also thinking about sports and how it it's going to affect sports. You know, well, that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of moral question too. Like if you know it's very limited, the initial supply. Do professional athletes get, are they, you know, at the top of the line along with healthcare workers and the elderly? You know, I mean, I, I could see that, right? And, and in some ways, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not a huge population, so they wouldn't take up a lot of them. I mean, um, what do you got, 25 times 30, 750 guys, you know, on, on major league uh, contracts. So, you know, I, that would help if they, if they did have the vaccine, right? And then you could see it. One rumor I heard about um, spring training, this kind of a little bit off the topic, but that minor league camp might get pushed way back, like maybe even April. That That's a rumor going on among some of the players, I think. I, I could see that because I, I think if you open up spring training, let's just say normally, let's say the, the guy, and by the way, think about this. Last year, I think the first major league uh, spring training game was, I think we did it on television was February 22nd. Does that sound right? Yeah, that I think it was early a bit earlier last year. Yeah. So that's about 8 or 9 weeks from now. Wow. So that's not far away. And that would mean that those guys reported I remember going down to spring training last year. I think it was like February 11th. Mm. So that's Amazing. not far away. That's not far away at all. So they would have to bubble that up. Um and you would have to think, to your point, Mark, that if they're going to have a spring training, it would only be major league guys. Right. And, and maybe, maybe, would you... So my point would then would be, is Zach Thompson there? Is Libertor there? Or is Gorman there? Or yeah, is it I, just think, truly, I think those is guys it, will be in big league camp, but they may have it, to limit it. Is it your 40 man? Is it... Who is it? You, you know what not, I mean? You, you know you may not see this year, and sometimes you'll get a, you know, a diamond in the rough are those... Kind of a journeyman, veteran, exactly. uh, minor league, yeah, the, the, the minor league invites. Exactly. With an invite to spring training, we may not see that. And that's a shame. I mean, those are jobs. You can't mass congregate. I mean, you got to really limit who you have down there. Right. And you know what they may do as well is sort of what they did in St. Louis at times, and that's phased workouts. You know, if... I was just going to ask you that. So do you have, let's say, after Christmas, when guys really start to go down there in early January... Yeah, they you know, do. Do you have Paul DeYoung go down there with... Um, let's say I would normally say Colton Wong, but let's say mm-hmm. Tommy Edmond mm-hmm. and Goldschmidt lives down there now. So yeah. they go do some workouts with Jose Okendo. Right. You know, and then, and then uh, they do that in the morning and then they'll go work with Jeff Albert in the afternoon. And that's that group. And then another group comes in and works out with Mike Maddox or something like that. You yeah, know, it makes perfect sense. And for the most part, early in camp, I mean, you don't need to do that anyway. Yeah. I mean, if, if you throw in a bullpen that day, show up, if you're not, you know, maybe do your work at home even, you know, I think sure. there'll be some of that going on. I think they're going to give them a bunch of balls and nets, whatever they need, yep. you know, maybe send a catcher out there if their wife doesn't want to catch them or, you know. Right. Um, so oh, that was another funny anecdote from the Zach Thompson piece, by the way. He, he didn't have a catcher throughout the whole quarantine, so he asked his dad to do it. His dad's 59 years old. Bill Thompson, I want to give you props. You're catching 97 miles per hour in a nasty curveball. <laughs> Good for you, my man. Good for you. My son is 15, and I, I remember... And he's got a good arm, and and I th- at the time I think I was catching him in our basement, and um, 
so our basement's smaller and and we um, went <laughs> down and and I remember it, now he's starting to get stronger and stuff and I remember I said that's it it was in the in the winter I said I can't do this anymore because. <laughs> I'm going to get killed. I'm the same. My knees are killing me. Now, my kid's like a control guy, so I'm right. a little better off. He's not, 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 not heat. I said, we got to go to a facility or something because this is it. I'm taking one right between the eyes. It's oh, over. God, absolutely. It's done. Too old for that. Um, the pending question about the outfield is something that's always going to be hovering this franchise for the next couple weeks unless they do something. Do you see them doing anything with that? You know, again, like I, I do think they're going to try to check off these boxes with Yachty and, and and Wainwright, and then they're going to look at that. I don't. I, if, if you were to ask me right now, do I think they'll make any major changes? I would say no yeah. to the outfield. And that's because Dylan Carlson really didn't play a whole lot, right? He showed flashes. He had some struggles. He, then he showed he looked fantastic in that second stint. But, um, you know, he, he could be kind of the catalyst to kind of get more production out of that outfield. So he could be that guy. They can They can point to that. And also, I do think sometimes people are not fair to Harrison Bader in regard to last season, even though it was a short season, it was two months. That was his best offensive season. Um, but what a about right-handed pitching though? That is an issue. And a, a specifically a right-hander with a good breaking ball is absolutely as poison. And that's a legitimate issue. They maybe need someone else to play on those days. Maybe a, a left-handed hitter would be nice. Is Justin Williams that guy? I don't know. They haven't really given him a lot of opportunities. To me, he's an intriguing guy because of the pop. Um, you know, he has legitimate power. Um, we saw that in spring training. Now, is, they, they view him as very raw as a player. I know that's one of the things that slowed him down a little bit. Um, I think we saw him make a, a, a base running blunder in his first game down there. Um, but Harrison Bader is so elite defensively. And, you know, well, we've talked about they need this superstar player, like a 4-5 war player. Well, Harrison Bader is a three-war player without hitting a whole lot. So what if last year that uptick, you know, his strikeout rate was a little down, walk rate was up. What if that is a sign of him making progress on the offensive end? You may not have to worry about that position is what I'm saying. And then you worry about, you know, will Fowler's production continue to decline? Will we have to do something there? Is Tyler O'Neill going to be, you know, a piece hasn't proven it at all. Um, still a lot of athletic upside there, I would argue. So I think, I, I know this is, sounds horrible and people don't want to keep hearing this, but I, I do think they want to see a little more from some of those guys. A couple of injury guys I want to ask you about when we come back. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. with Mark Saxon. Hey, thanks for coming in, by the way. Are you kidding me? I would be anywhere, Danny. I, I was, Like I said, I'm happy to get out of the house, and seeing you is just a, a fantastic bonus. Got you out and of the Tanner. house. Yeah, well, Tanner's yeah. the icing on the cake. You know that, baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is... Tanner's our guy. This guy is a wild man. You, you ought to see him on the weekends. I can tell just by looking at him. Oh, he just goes crazy. Weekends? I mean, Tuesday night is the weekend for him. Well, that's true. <laughs> Tuesday on <laughs> He'll be at the clubs tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. Are they open? Yeah. You have to see him. He's clubbing all the time. Florida. Yeah. (laughs) The shutdown was good for him. We need to calm him down a little bit. Yeah. You know? Give his liver a break. Yeah. Look at him. He had to turn around. He's got embarrassed. (laughs) Tanner. God love him. (laughs) Why did we suddenly just decide to destroy Tanner? He's the best. (laughs) Sorry, Tanner. 
He won't even turn on his mic. Um, a couple of guys I got to ask you about. So Jordan Hicks and Miles Michaelis. So both are coming off injury, and both are huge pieces mm-hmm. of what might be a 2021 season that Cardinals need them. And Mo was pretty high on. It sounded like Michaelis. He said yeah. he, he, Michaelis had been in town for a while last week and said look great and Hicks for the most part no problems so yeah, that's what it sounds like I think both guys you know whether, whether they're ready for game one of the season I don't know we just talked about we don't know when game one is yeah if they push it back to May I mean that seems like a slam dunk they'll both be not only ready but you know mid-season almost yeah uh Jordan Hicks has posted some stuff on social media of him throwing I mean oh my it certainly looks max effort and it certainly looks like he's it's ridiculous yeah and he is huge, by the way. He's, yes. He's been lifting a lot, it would appear. I mean, he, he's got to be, like, he's close to 6'3", I think, right? Yeah. And he almost looks shorter because he's so, he's so he's jacked. jacked now. Yeah. Um, boy, I mean, he's he's just been pent up. You can tell for this yeah. year of rehab, waiting for him to let him throw. He just loves to, you know, light up, you know, pop that catcher's mitt. So you think he'll be okay, I guess. The one thing you don't know, like guys coming off Tommy John, maybe it's a little different or their command's off early. Sometimes you'll see some struggles for a month or two. But a reliever, short burst like him, I really don't see any setback. And then Michaelis, just so people remember, that was not Tommy John surgery. That was a flexor tendon um, And you hope surgery. it's not a precursor to anything worse. Yeah, that's absolutely. And yeah. that's always kind of the case. Anytime they go in, whether it's a forearm, anything close to that elbow, you wonder whether it's a precursor of some weakness in that UCL. Um, but if not... Huge addition, you know, to that to that rotation. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. If Miles Michaelis had finished last season healthy, would he have been a place the Cardinals would have at least contemplated maybe reducing some salary by listening to trade talks for Miles Michaelis? I mean, that's a $17 million easy kind of subtraction. But the problem is when you finish the season and you're not healthy, teams aren't going to yeah. know. You know, so there's no chance, I don't think, of doing that now. But that is a thought that occurred to me because there weren't a whole lot of ways for them to lower payroll. There still aren't. And one of them was Colton Wong's option, and we saw what happened. It's an interesting, we'll wrap it up here. It's an interesting year for the Cardinals coming up. It's almost a transition year. Now, they they have pitching. They have a lot of it, in my opinion, Yeah. Uh, even with a lack of offense, potentially, and a division that, on paper, doesn't look to be all that stout. So... They have a chance to win, but it's in a even a for them but a potential transition year because yeah. so much money is going to come off the books after this year. Yeah, there's no way not to look at it as a transition year. It's almost like the precursor to the transition year. So it sounds like the philosophy is let's not make this a transition year. Right. So let's try to hold on to Yachty, Wainwright, and maybe catch lightning in a bottle with all that good young pitching we've been talking about on this show. And you know what? If a couple guys have offensively what if you know what if dylan carlson is every bit as good as his you know uh prospect designation tells us he is what if tyler o'neill suddenly figures out how to lay off that curveball in the dirt and starts hitting you know so it's you can't predict ball i don't remember where that phrase come from but it's very true for this cardinals team even if everybody's down, they're not going to spend money. You don't win the World Series in December, and you don't win it in January. So we'll see when they get on the field. With all that pitching talent, you just don't know what's going to happen. They're, they're certainly in it. 
Thanks for coming in, man. Good it's to fun. see you, Danny. Anytime. Merry Christmas to you, too. Happy holidays to you, my friend. Subscribe to The Athletic. That's Mark Saxon. If you missed any of this, it's on the uh, 101 ESPN website. Thanks to I Promise. Thanks to Tanner. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll be with Randy Carricker at 7 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.